Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. FC, what's happening? How are y'all? Yeah, like Justin said, my name's Jeremy Fisher. Uh, I'm a pastor just east of Dallas uh, at Community Life Church. Thrilled to get to be here. I almost wasn't here. Uh, last night, I was texting uh, Fish and Justin and just saying my flight, it keeps getting delayed because of the weather that y'all had coming through here last night. And I'm, I'm from Tulsa, but I've, I've kind of forgotten what it's like to live here. Um, and so the pilot gets on last night. I wish this was a lie. The pilot gets on last night and uh, he's like, we've got, a, we've got a delay 30 minutes here, maybe an hour. We've got some tornadoes that are rolling through Tulsa right now. No big deal. We're going to be fine. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm going to die like this. I don't know if I'm going to make it over there. Well, then about an hour later, he hops on and he literally says, yeah, actually, I'm from Tulsa. I'm not scared of this. I've had a few Miller lights. We're going to be good, you know? Um, no, he didn't say that part, but that's what I was thinking. I was like, there's no way this guy is this bold. He's going to fly through all this here tonight. But here I am. We made it. It was crazy. A little touch and go. But yeah, here we are. Let's go, right? Uh, like I said, from just east of Dallas, I'm a pastor over there and uh, uh, in a little place called Canton, Texas. I don't know if anybody knows anything about Canton, but Wow. Somebody proud of Canton over here. All right. Yeah. Uh, so from a little place called Canton, Texas, planting a church over there, uh, just excited about what God's doing over there and here. It's amazing to watch from afar all the things that are happening here at FC. So I want to talk to you here today uh, about something that I, I feel like this is the perfect post-Easter message because Easter rolls around and you got all the feels, right? Jesus is... Uh, it feels so, he feels so real, so present, so near. You're watching decisions being made. Maybe you made a decision and you're, you're, you're coming high off of that. And then the Sunday after Easter, it's a little bit like, where did the butterflies go, right? Where, where's the excitement? Uh, and I want to talk to you a little bit about that here today. And, and to intro this topic, uh, I'm just going to let you know that you're going to hate it. There's, there's no, there is nobody out there that likes what we are talking about today. Nobody. Uh, I, there is not, I've never met a single person who gets jazzed up about what it is that we're talking about here today. You've experienced it in traffic. You've experienced it with your loved ones. You've experienced it with people that are just surrounding you in your life, your boss, your workplace. Uh, if, you're, if you're looking for a promotion, if you're looking for a home, if you're looking to have a child, you've experienced this. I want to talk to you today about waiting. Where's my impatient people at in the room? Raise your hand. Impatient people. Okay, if your hand is not up, I know who the liars are in the room, okay? Um, yeah, yeah. Man, when the light turns green, that means go, right? Stop texting. Can, can I get an amen, right? When the light turns green, that means go. It's time to move. It's time to get out of here. Yeah, nobody likes to wait, man. I mean, it is a, it's part of the human nature. Nobody likes to wait. When you pay for Amazon Prime shipping, you want it in two days. If it's three days, four days, you're ready to commit a homicide, right? Nobody wants to wait. When you get on YouTube and you're like, you know, it, it's like five seconds till you can skip the ad. You know what I'm talking about? And you're pressing the button. You're like, I can't wait five seconds, right? Nobody likes 
to wait. Doesn't matter what it is, nobody likes it. And uh, to, uh, to, again, to sort of intro this, to get us on some level playing field here, uh, I, I, I go back to this moment in my life uh, where uh, this, is, this is in college. I'm walking into my first day of class. This is my senior year. There's a girl that's in there that I had kind of been eyeing a little bit the year before. Uh, total hottie, and I can say that because I married her. And I, 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 I walk in and I see this girl and I'm thinking, man, I gotta make a good first impression, right? Like you, gotta, you don't wanna look like an idiot on first day of school. So I walk in. And the teacher decides, I don't know if you're a teacher in the room, uh, but let, let's just, let's, let's make this very clear. The teacher decides to play this game called the name game. Does everybody know what I'm talking about? You put people in a circle, and instead of waiting to naturally find people's names out, like throughout the year, like you've got to cheat off somebody's assignment, you learn their name, right? Um, not that I ever did that, but uh, you, you know, you need to borrow a pencil, you learn somebody's name. Instead of waiting to naturally learn somebody's name, she, she puts us in this circle and she plays the name game. Now, if you're a teacher, I don't want to rag on you, but you need to delete this from your repertoire. This is the worst game on the planet. And the way that this works, if you're unfamiliar with it, is you, you put everybody in a circle. You have them sit around to where they're looking at one another. And you, you have everybody say a descriptive word that starts with the first letter of their name, right? And then they say their name. So you're sitting in the circle and somebody would be like, hi, I'm awesome Anna. And so everybody in the circle would be like, hi, awesome Anna, right? And then we'd go to the next person and they'd be like, hi, I'm cool Kara. Hi, cool Kara. Hi, awesome Anna. And you'd work your way around. Well, I'm sitting there and I'm like, why could we not just learn people? I don't have a great memory. Why could we not just learn people's names naturally? Why can we wait on that? We got to do this stupid game. Well, we're going all the way around the circle, and I start to get a little panicked because that girl that I like is sitting there, and my name starts with J, and I can't think of any good descriptive J words. So I'm like, uh, joyful? Like, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. So awesome, Anna, cool, Kara. Well, you go down the line a little bit, and somebody's like, hi, I'm joyful Jamie. And I'm like, ah, darn it. Okay, what, what am I going to do here? So the, the, the thing keeps going around. It keeps going around. Well, finally, I think of a word that, is sound, number one, it sounds smart. And number two, there's not, I mean, nobody is going to pick this word. I think of jubilant. Does anybody know what the word jubilant means? Anybody heard this before? Okay, it's like happy, right? So I think jubilant Jeremy. That, that's great. So we go all the way around. Hey, awesome Anna. Hey, cool Kara. Hey, joyful Jamie, whatever. And we go all the way around this circle. And we get to the person right before me. I wish I was lying. And it's this dude named James, all right? And James says, hi, I'm Jubilant James, to which I just, you know, shut up, James. <laughs> oh, I was ready to kill this man. I start sweating. I start panicking. We're going all the way around the circle. I've got BO going on. This girl's looking at me. It's a high-pressure moment. It goes all the way around. And the, the thing I think of, the thing my brain goes to, hi, hi, awesome, Anna. Hi, cool, care, jubilant, James. And it gets to me, and I say, I'm Juicy Jeremy. <laughs> Juicy Jeremy. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding? To this day, to this day, I will walk around, like I'll be shopping around in the supermarket and somebody will be like, hey, Juice, what's going on? Dude, I'm 15 years removed from this moment, man. Why couldn't we wait and just learn people's name the normal way? 
You know, you can make a joke out of waiting, right? There's all sorts of things. Like if we're talking about prime shipping, you're talking about learning people's names, you can, you can joke about waiting. But when you've experienced the pain of waiting, like, oh, it gets a little serious here. When you've experienced what it's like to wait on a child, to, to experience infertility, when you've walked through the pain of depression, the waiting that's involved, it feels like the storm clouds have rolled in and they're not leaving anytime soon. When you've experienced the, the, the loneliness involved with waiting, where it feels like I'm on an island, it's just me here. When you've experienced the, the if, if you're in the workforce and you're working your way up the ladder, you've worked your heart out to earn that promotion and you watch the boss give it to somebody else and you're just waiting for the next step. If you've ever experienced that, you know that waiting, as, as funny as it can be, you know that it's no joking matter at all. Waiting sucks. There is no two ways about it. Waiting is one of the worst things out there. Fortunately for us, the Bible has a lot to say about waiting. And I think, I mean, chances are you've probably never read this book in your life. You probably can't even spell it. I don't even know if you know this is in the Bible. But in the Bible, there is a five-part book that details the pain of waiting, that details unanswered prayers, that talks through the pain of waiting. It's a little book called Lamentations. It comes straight off the, the book of Jeremiah. If you've ever read Jeremiah, people of Israel, they go into exile. And as Jeremiah ends, Lamentations begins. And this book is all about this heartache involved with God not answering prayers on time. This book is all about just crying out to God and not hearing the answer that you want to hear, but instead being met with silence. And uh, I love it because it's kind of in the title, Lamentations, like lamenting, crying. Uh, it's all about waiting here. So I want to take a look at this, this book here today and just really riff off one verse for our time here together. Uh, this book, Lamentations, like I said, all about waiting. And the people of Israel have found themselves in captivity. They can't like outwork themselves to get out of this situation. They can't pay enough money to get out of this situation. They're captives. There's no way, I mean, they're left to literally, all they can do is wait. That's their option. There's no plan B, plan C. It's just to wait on the Lord. And so you would think, as you go through this book, you would think that it would say something like, waiting is the worst thing to ever happen to man. You would think that as you approach these verses on waiting, that it would say something like, waiting is the, the, one of the hardest, most painful, most terrible things to happen to humanity. But take a look at what Lamentations 3.26 says, the middle verse of this entire book. So simple. We'll be right here all day. It is good for a person to wait quietly on the salvation of the Lord. One more time. It is good. Are you hearing this? It is a good thing for a person to wait, and not just wait, but to wait quietly on the salvation of the Lord. Now to me, that it, it can ring so hollow if you don't know what this is about. I mean, can you picture this people in captivity? And the author would say, it is a good thing to wait. I don't know about you. I don't know if I would say waiting is very good. Uh, in, in 2020, uh, you remember the, the pandemic hits and uh, it seems like the whole world goes on pause. Uh, you remember being huddled up in your house and 
Like anytime, do you remember this? Anytime a, you, like a loved one in your house would like <clears throat> clear their throat, you'd be like, oh, is that you, Rona? Like, what is that? Are you sick? Um, do you remember this? Like the whole world shuts down, everything pauses. Um, and we just went into this little season of waiting, it, it, it felt like. Um, everybody picked up a, a hobby during that time. Everybody found something to kind of get involved in. And uh, I remember in my household, uh, my wife, she stumbled across this, this verse at the, uh, at the beginning of Psalms, and it inspired her. Actually, let me read this verse to you. This is Psalm 1. It says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, get this, which yields its fruit in season. My wife, she got inspired by this to start gardening. Uh, and she uh, wrote this little verse on our refrigerator, stuck it up. Uh, this little passage, the, the person that follows God is like a person that's planted by streams of water who yields their fruit in due season. Not 24-7, not every day, but in its due season, at just the right time. Now, I don't know about you. We got any gardeners in the room? Anybody like gardening? Okay, boring. Um, it's fine. It's okay. Everybody's into their own thing. My wife loves it. She's crazy about gardening, crazy about it. And so, yeah, when COVID hit, she gets out in the backyard. She's starting Fisher Farms, right? She's getting all these things together and she's planting potatoes and planting radishes. And I don't know who eats radishes, but she's planting them and she's got sweet potatoes and corn and all this. And I remember I was at, uh, I was at work one day. I was busy working on a message and I get a call from Megan and she says, you got to come home right now. I said, are you serious? What's, is there an emergency? And she said, well, uh, Fisher Farms has had its first harvest. And I was like, how exciting. That sounds amazing. And so she was like, you got to get in the car. You got to come home right now. So I jump in the car. I start racing over there, get over to uh, where she's at. And I walk in the house and I'm like, all right, let's see it. And so she's just building this up. She's like, listen, worked so hard on this, worked the soil. She, she took me outside and she showed me all the different things that she's got set up. You know, got the radishes over here, here's the sweet potatoes, here's the corn. She's got it all sectioned out, labeled everything. I mean, a lot of work went into this thing. And I'm gonna be honest, when I saw it, um, I don't know if this, I'm just a terrible husband or what, but I didn't see anything. Uh, I just saw dirt. And I wanted to be like, your garden is broken. <laughs> like, is this, is this user error? Um, have you tried water, right? Have you tried sunlight? But um, she just, I mean, she acted like this was completely normal. And she goes, let me show you, let me show you what I got. And she pulls out, actually, let me show you. This was the, this is what I had to come home over. That. What the heck is that? Is that a grape? Like, I don't, she was like, it's a strawberry. I was like, this is the world's worst strawberry. Like, um, I had to come home over this. And so, I, I, again, trying not to be a jerk, I look at the garden outside and I said, Megan, what's wrong with it? And uh, I, I'm telling you, I'll never forget her response. She said nothing. She said, it's, it's right on time. Strawberries grow fast. Uh, the others, they take a little bit longer. They'll be here in their season. 
you know, this is interesting. Um, if you can crawl down into the, the, the roots, if you could get down in the soil, and if the strawberries could talk to the radishes, could talk to the carrots, could talk to the other, other things under the soil, do you think they would look at one another and say, are you worried? Are you stressed? Are you, uh, uh, things aren't really going the way that, I mean, it's not really visible. I, I mean, are we doing something wrong here? No, they wouldn't be stressed at all. I mean, just because you can't see it on the surface doesn't mean that there's not something invisible happening beneath the soil. I love what this passage is illustrating here, that as you wait on things, because I know if you've ever waited on something you've wanted so bad, a child, a promotion, a home, a next step, a healing, I know when you don't see it, the temptation a lot of times is to feel like, well, it's just not there. It's just not coming. It's just not gonna happen. God, have you forgotten us? Do you care? Are you out there? Are you listening? Are you really who you say you are? But the truth is, as someone would illustrate, no, it's happening. There's some things going on beneath the soil. There are some things that are happening that you might not have seen with the naked eye, but God is moving things along at just the right times and just the right places in just the right season, in due season. It is good that a person should wait and wait quietly on the salvation of the Lord. It's a good thing to wait. Now, if, if you are a normal human being, the million dollar question here is why, right? Why? Why make us wait, God? Why? And the truth is, is there are just some things that you can only learn in waiting. There are some things that you, you cannot speed the process up. You cannot get, you cannot fast forward or microwave or prime ship this thing. I'm telling you, there are some things you only learn in waiting. Uh, does anybody, like here, let me illustrate this. The, the, the way that, this blows my mind. The way that we experience photography now is primarily through our phones. Like it is just, it's so instant. It's click, snap, upload, right? That's why they call it Instagram, Snapchat. Like as soon as you take the picture, it's there. You can throw it instantly online. But that has not always been the case. Like, do you remember your first Polaroid? You remember this? Like, you get it? And then, remember this little action, right? You'd walk around looking like an idiot, fanning your, your photograph. Three minutes, man, I'm gonna have a photo in three minutes here. And you'd take your photograph and you'd, you'd wave it out. This is how we used to do things, right? And if you go back even further than that, I was explaining this to my kids the other day, they could not believe it. Um, I told them, I was like, yeah, back in the day, you would have to buy a camera. And do you remember this? Do you guys remember the, like, the hardship, man? The, I can't believe we went through this, but we did it together. And then you couldn't see what your, what your pictures were. Like you would go to, you'd go to take the picture and Karen's thumb would be over all the photographs, right? Uh, when you'd go to have it developed later on. Um, yeah, I was explaining this to my kids. I was like, yeah, you used to have to wind your camera up. And they're like, with a crank? I was like, kinda. Um, You'd take these and, and then you'd drop it off at like a Walgreens or you'd go to Walmart or um, y'all remember Kmart or were you rich? Um, yeah, you know, you'd go to Kmart or something, Blue Light Special, go get your, your photographs done. Well, it, before when, when you would go and you would get these developed, do you remember what would happen? You would take your, 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 your film over there and they would take the negatives there in the back. Remember the process for this? There would be an expert that would get your, your film and they would take it in the back room, a dark room where there was very little light. And they would go into this room 
and through a series of chemical processes, they would form the image onto the picture. Now, listen to me. I, I know what you would prefer is for God's promises to be instant and upload and you pray for it and it's there. You have an Easter Sunday and there's the fulfillment. I know you would love that, but God works in process. You see it over and over and over and over in the scriptures. And when he wants to do something in somebody's life, he will often take them to the proverbial dark room where there is very little light, where life is hard and things are difficult and it doesn't make sense. But if you let the light in too soon, you will ruin what is going on. That there's purpose in waiting. That it's not just sit on your hands and just hopefully this works out, but there's something being developed. Like there's an image being formed here and it's the image of the son of God. The Bible calls this sanctification here, that you are being molded and shaped into the image of God. And the way that God does this oftentimes is through waiting. I know that's painful. I know that's difficult. I wish I could hit the fast forward button through this, but God has you waiting for a reason. It's not an accident and waiting isn't just about what you get at the end of the waiting. I know you want it to be that, but it's about who you become as you wait. It's not about just what you get at the end of the waiting. Oh, if I just have the promotion, God, then things would be so much better. If we just have the child, God, things would be so much better. Believe me, this is coming from somebody who who had walked through the pain, three miscarriages in in our family. I mean, brutal that season. And I, it, I look back on it and I just remember thinking, God, how, why? And now in hindsight, I think, man, it was so necessary to bring us to where we are now. That God uses every bit of that painful waiting along the way. Man, sure, life is amazing on Easter Sunday. Sure, when the promises are fulfilled and things are great and things feel amazing and you see it all. But what about Sundays like this where you're just waiting. Well, it's not an accident. It's about who you become as you wait. One of my favorite examples of this is in the scriptures. Uh, This is the story of David. I don't know if you're very familiar with David, but there's a section of the scriptures in uh, in 1 Samuel where it's kind of detailing the, 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 uh, the selection of David. And I love this so much because of what happens in this story. Like uh, you see Samuel coming down the hill and he's anointing, he, he's looking at, at all of Jesse's sons and he's like, nah, not this one, not this one. They're all beautiful. They're all hot. They're all hunks. They all look like Fabio. They're amazing, but show me the runt. And so David comes out and they anoint David in this moment. I love this so much. This is so illustrative here. They, they, they anoint David, and you would think in this moment, like after David is anointed, you would think to yourself that what's about to happen here is that David is going to waltz into the palace now that his, he's been anointed as king. You would think that from here, like what you think happens, right? Like he gets anointed, and he's like, man, it's time to make Israel great again. Like, do you think that's what he's doing? You think he, do you think he marches in and starts his military conquest? Do you think he says, Saul, out of the seat, let's go? Like, what do you think happens after David is anointed? This is amazing here. This is amazing. Because you would think that promotion happens like immediately after the coronation, right? After the selection. You'd think promotion happens immediately after that. But let, let, let me show you this here. Do we have a picture of the scriptures? Um, show, me, show me the picture of my Bible. I took a picture of this earlier. This is amazing here. Do you see this? It says, so as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. Break. 
Do you know what that, this is amazing. Do not miss this foundations. That little white space right there, do you know what happens like from that where it goes Rama to now the spirit of the Lord had left Saul? Do you know what happens there? That tiny little white space? 17 years worth of David's life. 17 years in that white space. 17 years. David doesn't be- immediately become king. He's anointed to, be- to become king, but he doesn't immediately become king. 17 years would pass in that white space. David would go back to working the fields as a shepherd. And in that field, he would write, I mean, some of the most powerful things. He would write Psalm 23 in that white space. Like what would happen there during that time of waiting is David would learn to defeat the bears and the wolves. David would learn to shepherd Israel during that time. What I'm telling you right now is if God has you like in the middle of a white space, don't waste your white space. Don't waste it. Like during that time of waiting, you think to yourself, dude, is there any purpose to this? Yes, plenty of purpose. God uses the white space. Now I love this because David, now David, he could wait, but Saul, on the other hand, now Saul couldn't wait. David waits seven years and Saul can't wait seven days. David becomes king of Israel and Saul loses his throne all because he can't wait. It is good that a person should wait and wait quietly on the salvation of the Lord. It's a good thing. Um, you know, it, faith in God is not just uh, in God's win. Um, it's not just in God's what. Uh, faith in God is rolling those, thi- those two things here together. Because I know a lot of times uh, the damage that you and I have done in our life some days, uh, I'd say in particular like some of the hardest things in your life, the things you regret the most, honestly, they're a result of the fact that you just couldn't wait. Is that not true? Like the, some of the stuff in life that's like, man, if I could go back and redo that, you know, what, wouldn't do that in college, wouldn't talk to her, wouldn't talk to him. Uh, uh, the fact that I'm in financial turmoil is because I had to take those credit cards out. It's all because you couldn't wait. It's a good thing that a person should wait and wait quietly on the salvation of the Lord. You just can't confuse God's design with what's available at the time. You know what I'm saying? You can't just say like, well, it just seems like this is the way to go because these are the pieces that I've got available right now. You know, we can't really afford the car, but man, I can, take, I can take the loan out and get the credit card. Like, you can't just confuse God's design with what's available, like, right now. Um, you know, typically, when it comes to waiting, uh, you and I have three different postures. Uh, we wonder, right? Uh, you say, when, Lord? When? When are you going to work? When are you going to do your thing? Um, we whine. We say, why, God? Why? Why? Uh, or we worry. We say, how? How, God? How is this going to work out? How? Uh, but in waiting, I think um, you should write this down. I think God has, uh, I think we have a different response that we can give God in waiting, a better response. Uh, and the question you should be asking is not why, is not when, but it's What? What, God, would you have me learn right now? What, God, would you have me change? What, God, would you have me fix? What, God, would you have me challenge myself with? What community group would you have me join right now, God? What person would you have me help? What is it that you want me to take in, God, from this season? 
Like, what is it? How do you want, like, what is it, God? Uh, for my anniversary, uh, I went to, I just, hey, 10-year anniversary two days ago. How about that, right? Yeah. Um, see, Juicy Jeremy, there it is, man. <laughs> she liked it. Um, yeah, so 10 years, 10 years now, uh, a couple days ago. And we went to, for our anniversary, we went to Bob's Steak and Chop House in Dallas. I don't know if you've ever been to Bob's. Uh, but while we were sitting there, uh, I noticed there were, uh, literally there were famous people in the room uh, while I was sitting in there. And I, this is not my kind of venue. I'm not a, I'm just, look, take me to the Western Sizzler. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, amen, yeah. Uh, I'm a cheap date. And so while we were in there, something I noticed, this, this was unbelievable. Something I noticed while I was in there is that there is uh, a waiter for each table. Um, you ever been to a restaurant like this? Like super bougie. There's a waiter for each table. And so while I would be sitting there, this, uh, this dude would come by and he would just be like, Mr. Fisher, can I pour you a glass of water? And I'd be like, yeah, absolutely. Um, and every time I would just so much as move, uh, like this dude was there, you know? Um, Mr. Fisher, can I get you a napkin? Yeah, sure. I'd like go to reach my hand out. Mr. Fisher, can I get you some sweet and low? Yeah, okay. I'd go to the bathroom. Mr. Fisher, can I zip you up? Like there's, you know, there's, there's, I was like, too far, dude, too far. Um, yeah, you know, but, but this is amazing to me. Like he was, uh, he was right there. Like uh, the word, the word waiting that we get, it's a, this idea of waiting, it's a French word. Um, and it has more of a, it's more akin to attending. And the way you and I think about waiting is we typically think of a doctor's office, Right. Uh, we're, we're sitting in the doctor's office waiting for the doctor to come in. You're kind of pulling stuff off the wall. Like, what's this dude looking in your ear, being stupid? You know, um, that's what we do is we just kind of sit on our hands, do stupid stuff in the doctor's office waiting for the doctor to show up. But the, the biblical idea of waiting is more than just sitting on your hands, but it's actually attending. It's actually, there's some doing involved while you wait. And so while I'm at this bougie restaurant, Every time this waiter comes by, every time I move, this man is there. I mean, in an instant, he is right there. And I love what the scriptures say. Listen to this, Psalm 123 too. Like a servant's eyes on his master's hand, like a servant's girl's eyes on her mistress's hands, so our eyes are on the Lord our God until he shows us favor. This is what this means, is God, when you make a move, I'm ready. Like I'm waiting, God, until you do something and the second that you do, I'm moving. God, show us your favor. God, you open a door here, I'm moving through it. I'm gonna be ready. I'm gonna do it. Instead, you just kind of wait around, lollygagging. Eh, Maybe the day will come. Maybe God will work this out. Maybe. Are you waiting? Are you waiting with a little purpose or are you just waiting? Uh, we, we worked through this uh, about, a, about a year ago uh, in my house. My middle child, I'm, every time I come to Foundations, I talk about Zeke. It never fails. My middle child, his name is Zeke. Uh, he's on the autism spectrum and uh, one of the most difficult human beings in the world, uh, but one of the most precious gifts to my life. Um, Zeke had a little trouble getting on the bus here recently. And so we would wake up early in the morning and uh, he would, he'd see this bus pull up and he'd get so frightened, he'd run back into the house. Like he just, he, he couldn't wait on it, couldn't, couldn't do it. 
there's something about the way that the straps were on the bus, like just with children with sensory issues, like everything, they're just so sensitive, like different fabrics, uh, how tight things are. He just didn't like the way the buckles were on the bus. And so Zeke was always freaking out, could never take it. So uh, we used to do this little coaching session in our house. Every Sunday night, I would go in Zeke's room and I'd say, Zeke, are Fisher scared? And he'd say, no. I'd say, are you going to get on that bus tomorrow? He'd say, no. (laughs) Okay. All right. We got work to do. Uh, So every Sunday night, we would do this coaching thing together. We'd say our prayers. We'd read a story. Zeke, are Fisher scared? No, daddy. Are you getting on that bus? Heck no. All right. Okay. So we wait, we wait, we wait, we wait. And, uh, Sunday, this Sunday evening rolls around where I'm putting Zeke to bed and I, I go through the routine again. Are Fisher scared? No, daddy. Are you getting on that bus tomorrow? Yes. I was like, okay, here we go. Uh, so Monday morning rolls around. I get Zeke up, get his clothes on. I mean, I've got a, I've got a good breakfast ready for him. I got a $20 bill ready to bribe him. I'm doing everything I can to make sure this kid gets on the bus. And so we get up that morning and let, let me show you, this is the front of our house right here. Um, we're, we're getting ready and uh, Zeke, again, he's a little spooked by the bus. He's a little nervous, starts to run off. I was like, no, 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 get back here, get back here, get back here. Um, and so I put his little mask on and I'm like, okay, are Fisher scared? No, are you getting on that bus? Yes, daddy. I was like, we're gonna, we're gonna go. Just trust me, one step at a time. Let's do this, come on. Follow me, just put one foot in front of the other. Let's go. And the dude just bolts. He just takes off. It's like, dude, we practice this. <laughs> Let me show you, this is the other side of the house. Let, take a look at this here. This is the other side of our house. Yeah! <laughs> just leave this right here, leave this right here. I wanted to grab him and like, you know. <laughs> Uh, father of the year here. I want, man, I'm telling you, I wanted to whip his rear because he could not wait. I, I mean, so badly. Just stay right here and do what I say. <laughs> and I know, listen, I, I know, leave this right here for a second. I know the regret involved with not waiting. I know the pain. Like, that's the, that's the thing that your mind instantly goes to. When you look at the problems in your life, you think about all the things you messed up on, all the things you wish you would have done different, all the things God is disappointed over, all the things, right? I just wish I would have waited on this, or I wish I would have done this different. And I just want to wrap this up here with a little reminder. Like the same way that this sucky dad would chase down this child that could not wait, you have a God that does the same thing but more, but better, but deeper, but further. I grab Zeke and I remember, I'll never forget this moment. I'm not a great parent. Um, I'm really not. I have a lot to learn with this whole parenting thing, but I remember grabbing him by the backpack. You can show this part of the video here. Um, I I remember grabbing him by the backpack and you'd think I would have been cussing him out right here. I wasn't. (laughs) I actually just started to say, hey, I love you, I love you, I love you. Wait a second, we're gonna do this together. We're gonna do it together. We're gonna do it together. We're gonna do it together. Here's the thing about waiting is a lot of times you just feel like you can take that off. A lot of times you just feel like you're doing this waiting thing on your own. Literally, the plan was for me to get on that bus 
and for him to sit on me and strap us up together on this thing. Like we were gonna do this together. He was not waiting this out by himself. You are not waiting this out by yourself. I'm telling you now, I know it feels lonely. I know it feels difficult, but you are not in this one alone. Final scripture here as we wrap up together, Luke 5, it says, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. And he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. And stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out to the water. And so he sat on the boat and taught the crowds from there. And when he finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out to where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll I'll let down the nets again. And this time their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. I love this. We worked all last night and didn't catch a thing. Here's the translation. Jesus, you're a carpenter. We're fishermen. We know how to do this. But Jesus says, would you do it one more time, but just do it with me here? Would you just do it one more time? I want to encourage you here today. You feel like I've just been going through the motions. I've just been trying to do one foot in front of the other. I'm telling you, would you do it again? But would you do it with Jesus this time? Would you know that he's present? Would you know that he's near? Because I don't think there was any sort of magic trick with just maybe the fish were just gathered on this side of the boat. But it was just the word of the Lord. It was Jesus' presence there. It makes all the difference. When it's in his hands, isn't this true? When it's in his hands, everything changes. Like a basketball in my hands, it's worth $9. In the hands of LeBron James, it's worth $31 million. You put a golf club in my hands, I don't know, it's a, it's a bogey. You put it in the hands of Tiger Woods, it's worth a PGA championship. You put a rod in my hands, I'll catch you a fish. You put a rod in the hands of Moses, he'll split the seas. You put five loaves of bread and two fish in my hands, that's Long John Silver's. You put it in the hands of Jesus and he'll multiply it and multiply it and multiply it. You put nails in my hands, I'll make you a birdhouse. You put it in the hands of Jesus, he'll save the world. I'm telling you. It matters whose hands it's in. And when you wait, but you wait with Jesus, it makes all the difference. So don't be discouraged today. If you've been waiting, would you try it one more time? Would you just do it? Would you forgive one more time? Would you hope one more time? Would you pray one more time? Would you give it one more shot? And just keep on waiting because it's good that a man should wait and wait quietly the salvation of the Lord. Would you pray with me right now? Father God, just encouraged right now, God, you know that it's good for us to wait. You know that there's things for us to learn. There's things that are shaping us. God, you know that waiting is not in vain. You know that waiting is just not an accident. Waiting is not a punishment, God. But you know that waiting is good for us. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.